Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits, and I call out to my own. I call out to those well ones who walked the earth in their own time, who met the challenges of that time, and did so in a way that rose to the call for innovation, for medicine, and for bringing through the inspiration that would allow the people to do what needed to be done in those moments. And we call out to those ancestors, those who've reconciled their lives and are here as well ancestors wanting to lean in to help us, the living, to do what needs to be done in our own time and to do so in a way that does not propagate those things the ancestors have clearly shown us do not work for all of life. And so we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to help us the living to do what needs to be done in a way that is good for all living things. And as these human ancestors gathered around, let's reach out further and drop our languages, whatever those might be in our human world, and open the rest of our senses to the non-human ancestors. From the smallest little microbe to the largest mountain or feature of the great spirits of the land, we call out to that huge range of non-human ancestors. Those energies that were here long before there was a human and will be here long after. We call out to these energies to be with us here today and help us to remember our own true nature as a human being, to find our place in that great web of life in a way that supports that whole web, its integrity, its sustainability, and its ability to support life. And we call out to these non-human ancestors to help us to settle into our true nature and remember how to be better humans. And as all of this help is called in and gathers round, let us do our part to call ourselves in, to draw ourselves from wherever we are scattered about this day, draw ourselves to coalesce in our mind, and to use your free will to choose to draw your consciousness down into your heart, letting go of the distractions that are so satisfying to your mind, letting your conscious awareness settle into your heart. And from your heart, with that next breath, let your conscious awareness settle down into your belly. And from your belly, reach down to the earth and for this moment, focus and give thanks to the earth for this day, for your life and for all that is possible in this moment. And with that gratitude beginning to move in your heart, continue to move your energy down through all the layers of the earth to anchor yourself firmly in the very center of the earth 
And take this moment with your eyes closed as you center in, in your own internal darkness to connect to that deep, rich, nourishing source that is before abundance, that is before life on earth, that which nourishes all without prejudice, that nourishes all without separation. So we connect to this wise energy that draws its wisdom out of darkness, out of stillness, out of silence. And draw that energy up into our life and allow it to nourish, to replenish, to restore, to revitalize that which has grown weary through the efforts of this day. And we draw that energy up and we ask the energy of the earth, this deep, deep energy to help to teach us who we are, where we stand, what we stand for. And as we identify those values in our life to then begin to build a life that is woven of those values and to do so in a way that we open our life to those who are different than we are and invite them to our table that they might provoke us and inspire us to grow into the people we were truly born to be. And in this way, let us work with connection the energy of the earth and the interrelationship of things to come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with each other, right relationship with the rest of the physical world, with our environment, right relationship with the invisible world. And as we learn how to be in healthy relationships with ourself and all other things, let us draw our energy up from our belly to our heart, our heart to our mind and reach up into the sky, out through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, to the highest power of the universe, by whatever name you name that energy. If you do, however you conceive of that energy, to reach up to that energy and draw it down. Drawing in the energy from above to bring in blessing and protection in your day. And as you draw that energy down through all the layers of the sky, into your head and heart and belly, and send it down to the center of the earth. Take a moment and feel that inspiration of the earth and the sky connecting below to above and above to below right through your very core center channel. And let the energy of that relationship inspire the love in your own human heart and in your human heart as it comes awake with your own presence and the inspiration of these ancient ancestors, open up to that transformational capacity in your heart, that ability to hold paradox, to draw up the fiery passions of the belly that want to do what you're here to do in this life and yet don't know what it is, and draw down that crystal clarity of the mind that can see precisely what things are but has no real understanding of why you're here. And so you draw these energies together in the heart and let that dynamic tension happen that can give birth through that friction and discomfort to that third and most sacred thing is some sense, some inkling, some feeling or understanding of why you are here in this life. And may you find courage in that very same beautiful human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that particular unique medicine into the world. And for your efforts to do that, I give you thanks. And for all of the spirit help that we all have to do that, that is countless and all around us at all times, whether we choose to believe in it or not, I give profound thanks. May what needs to be said 
be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. May these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to thank all of the new listeners who have arrived here one way or another at Why Shamanism Now. Just to let you know that this show is listener supported. It only exists here free um, in the archives and live on the air because of listeners like you donate um, humbly uh, either once in a while or ongoing. Um, the, this, these donations pay the bills, keep the archives available, and the show online. And I also want to give thanks to those of you that are longtime listener supporters who have um, found a way to donate a bit every month that keeps us going. So for all of you that are finding financial or other means by which to help this show to grow, I give you great thanks. So for those of you that don't know, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and find the archives of 500 plus hours of free podcasts for you to access. And today's show is actually live. And if you have questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the Creatornetwork.com site. Or you can always email me after the fact at Today's topic is death, dying, and dead, and ancestors. So it is rare in a contemporary person here in the United States to find one who knows what to do with death. It's not impossible, but it is rare. Generally speaking, contemporary people in a Eurocentric, um, academically educated world don't really know how to approach death, don't know how to ease the dying as they Thank you. 
activities that I feel we need to begin to do in different ways um, from a different fundamental understanding. So these activities are things like grieving the dead after a year of so much unnecessary loss. And I mean specifically all of the unnecessary deaths of people that have died from COVID-19 because uh, people, the living, um, chose to be less than responsible to the science and the general effort to do what is right with the reality that is right before us versus living in a possible future we are not yet in. And so we are faced here in the United States with over 500,000 deaths in, in some of the most problematic uh, circumstances for people to die in. And so my, my hope here is that we could begin to approach death dying and the dead right from a different fundamental understanding um, so that we could begin to tend the transitions into death as they're happening in new ways that we could grieve the dead in new ways that we could learn for example to grieve in community even though we are not able to physically gather right and that we could learn to work with the long dead Right, those those well and unwell ancestors, um, and that we could learn to to gather the support to to live in a way that we can garner the support of our well ancestors, and at the same time, figure out how to take the steps necessary to deal with those ancestors that are far from well. And so, this is my hope in today's show. So here we go. So we are the living. What does that mean? I say that often in shows. I believe it. It's how I endeavor to live my life. What what do I mean by we are the living? So there's a graphic I could show you if I could actually find someone who understood how to create a multidimensional graphic. And um, I was on a podcast where I can't show you anything. All I can do is talk. Okay, so we'll skip the graphic for now. But the first thing that I do want to say uh, before I go any further is the fact that you are sensitive to the dead, that you never grew out of that stage for most children where they see the dead and you frankly still see them everywhere. That doesn't mean that's your job. It is actually normal for the living to have a sense of the presence of the dead. It's not an abnormal thing or even a special quality. It's actually pretty normal. For the living to sense the dead, some of us, some of the living, have learned to tune it out completely. And then there are certain systems um, in dominance right now that would marginalize you and label you as mentally ill for the fact that you, the living, sense the dead. However, it is quite normal for the living to sense the presence of the dead. It's not a good thing because the living and the dead each have their own realm. And when they're each in their own realm exclusively, they're able to be in healthy relationship with each other. When they're all bunched up together in a pile, not so good, not able to maintain healthy relationship. But my point here is just because you sense the dead does not mean that is your soul's purpose. 
I want to free you of that responsibility unless that's your choice. All right. So with that said, there's a second thing that I want to say quickly, which is today, which is um, March 23rd, right after this show, which is broadcasting live right now, at noon Pacific Daylight Time, there's going to be an encore performance of yours truly speaking about opening to the living love of your ancestors. It's going to um, air right after Why Shamanism Now through Shift Network. And you can click over to lastmaskcenter.org. And right there on the home page is a link to register for that encore performance. Um, you're welcome to do that now. Um, okay. So with that said, let's move on to today's podcast. All right. That's my little business. Okay. So what does it mean to be the living? So your responsibility as the living is first to your soul. So if we think about the little message on the airplane, right? Put your own air mask on first and then assist those next to you. All right. This is essentially the equivalent of that. As the living, the cultivation of your soul through the choices you make in this lifetime is your primary responsibility. And so as a parent... Part of your primary responsibility is to model that in your life and to educate your children to grow up into adults that can take responsibility for the development of their soul in their life. So that's kind of how that all works. And then ideally, you've done such an excellent job with that. They are able to hand that excellence down through their own parenting should they choose to parent. Okay. So. The important thing about that is that you, as the living, cannot bullshit spirit. Uh, you can bullshit yourself. You can potentially bullshit your friends. Right? You cannot bullshit the spirit world. Uh, although some aspects of the spirit world can certainly get away with bullshitting you if you're not using your discernment. But that's a whole other show. For this show, the point that I am making is... The quality of your decisions will shape your soul. Not the decisions themselves, but the quality of them. So in other words, if I do the right thing for the wrong reasons, my soul knows that. Okay, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is somewhat better for my soul than doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. But it may or may not be better than doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. And so what we're really navigating in our lifetime, whatever the circumstances of that lifetime is, are, sorry, are, in the time that we are living is we are navigating the effort to do the right thing in our life for the right reasons. And this means the cultivation of your own sense of morals, your own sense of ethics, and the challenge in life of living in a way that is aligned with your morals and your ethics and educating yourself when you find that your ethics and potentially even your morals are problematic and maybe are not what you thought they were. So this is actually what's always going on underneath the surface of other things that are very challenging for many of us, like food, shelter, and from food and shelter, meaningful work. 
you know, what am I going to do with my life and is it meaningful to me? These things are all very present in our life and the way we engage in answering those questions day after day in our life, the what we choose and the quality of those choices is constantly cultivating the quality of our soul. And there's no way out of that mess or, or not mess, depending on how you're doing with those choices. Okay, so that's what it means to be the living. So then what does it mean for the living to be in healthy relationship with death? for example. Okay, so one of the first things, once we say the living in relationship with dot, 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 right, we are automatically bringing into place all of the information that is in the Living Well series, right, the the energy body hygiene series in the archives. I'm not going to redo all the shows that are in the archives today. I'm trying to just link many, many, many shows together. So once we say the living in relationship with, we are now standing on the foundation of you taking responsibility for your own healthy energy body hygiene. All right, so if I have good energy body hygiene, then I am able to be in healthy relationship with other things, both with bodies and without, because I have good boundaries and I can make discernment around good boundaries and where I find my sense of my boundaries has failed to be good. I have skills, right, to, to deal with that situation in a fundamental way so that the next time I'm in the same situation, I am able to have healthy boundaries. So that's, that's that commitment to learning that is necessary for the living. Okay. So, healthy relationship with death and by this I want you to visualize capital D death so this is not necessarily your actual death at whatever time that comes in the future this is an everyday relationship with our mortality from and and being in relationship with that in a way that it inspires And so not being in a relationship with our mortality so that we just become impossible to live with, we're we're nihilistic or depressing or whatever we choose to be, but that we are living in relationship with death so that death is constantly inspiring us to live well. That sense of what if today was your last day on earth? What would you do today? What do you value? Right? How, how would you spend that last opportunity to cultivate your soul? Right? And so many people think about, oh, well, if today was the last day I was die, you know, I'd party. Well, that's pretty teenage. <laughs> right? So, you know, it's not a really very mature perspective. What, what would you do with your last day on earth? What has value? What has meaning? Maybe you would celebrate with those you love that's a different thing than i'm just gonna you know nihilistically party okay so that's my point that we live in that for the living we live in relationship with death as a constant ally that's constantly asking so for example constantly saying to me christina is this what you truly value is this the gift that you have to give or are you wasting your time Right? Are you in addictive behavior? 
What is the legacy of addictive behavior by the living on the next generation other than more addictive behavior? It's a curse. Our, my living addictive behavior is a curse on the descendants, right? So death is here. Is that really what you want to be doing with your time, Christina? Or another one, recent um, moment with death was death leaning in and looking at me and saying, you need to choose. You can do this well or that well over the next couple decades. You can't do them both well. You must choose and you must choose now or you'll do them both mediocre and most likely harm yourself in the process. Okay, so this is death. This is death as an ally, having an ongoing working relationship with death. So your question might be, how do I do that? So for me, the value in learning to skillfully work with spirit is you can answer that question. You can work with death as a spirit. Since it is an archetypal energy, we can work with it as a helping spirit. Even though it's not technically a helping spirit, we can work with death. Okay, so the next part of being the living, right, is what are the qualities of a healthy relationship with others you love who are dying, right? So let's first think about what are the qualities of a healthy relationship with the fact that you will die, with your dying. Okay, the most important thing for the living in relationship to their dying, their personal dying, process right is that you live your life today in a way that you leave things reconciled so you have the hard conversations that are those conversations where you circle back and perhaps have something that feels a little bit uncomfortably confrontational to be able to work through something that is unreconciled and still problematic that you sever relationships that you know are unhealthy and the other person has proven to you over time they're not willing to change except their boundaries and let go right these are examples of reconciling relationships but one of the most important relationships to reconcile relative to your dying is what are you doing with your life what is your relationship to your own unique genius that you brought into this life? Are you putting your F, your resources, your effort, your time, your breath, your love, are you putting your resources towards that manifestation of right work for you, of um, the true expression of your purpose, uh, even if there isn't any sort of paid work that allows you to do that? Um, if, honestly, it was one of the great teachings from the spirit of New York City is that um, with so many people there, the people that clearly had a job that allowed them to do their purpose when their purpose had nothing to do with that job and those that were in New York to do jobs that were an expression of their purpose. And what, what the spirit of New York showed me is those are equally noble and valuable lives. That from a spirit perspective, back to the you can't bullshit spirit, from a spirit perspective, there was no difference. It doesn't matter whether or not you get paid for your soul's purpose. It just matters that you do it. Okay, so 
that reconciliation. Are you reconciled with your own reason for being in this life? Are you doing what you value? Are, is your energy going towards what has meaning and purpose, not just for you, but for what you value seeing in the world? Because to only focus on what has value to our own soul is the is right action, wrong motivation. Because the motivation that is that solipsistic, that self-centered, without an, a larger awareness, is a wrong motivation. It's a very egotistical or spiritually ambitious motivation. That any authentic expression into the wanting to give our gifts automatically implies a giving our gifts to the world or to the community, to others, right? And so even if others is the green world, you know, the plant world, or others are horses or others are little microbes and you're an awesome scientist doing beautiful research with um, gut biomes or something like that. The point is none of us are here alone and the solipsistic expression of our soul's purpose is fundamentally spiritually ambitious. Okay, so these are all aspects of a healthy relationship with your dying. Bazillions of podcasts, mine and other people's out there about that. Okay, healthy relationship with others you love who are dying. Okay, so here, whether these are friends or family, your role as a living with those who are dying is to be able to support as a peer not as a professional necessarily, but just as a peer, what do they feel unreconciled about in life? And just that can just happen through a conversation or many conversations. Offering, for example, for an elder who is dying in your life, a friend or a family member, to, in air quotes, write letters. So write letters to people, living or dead, that they feel unreconciled with. And to offer, if they're unable, right, to, to, to take those letters once they're finished and signed and sealed, you know, with the energy of that person, to take them into a fire ritual, for example, and ask the fire to take those messages to the living and the dead on this other person's behalf. Anybody can do that. There's no wrong way to do that, right? And so this is an example of ways any lay person can connect with a dying lay person, family or friend and support them in their dying process. And the main goal is for us to help them to reconcile their life and where there are mental issues like dementia or Alzheimer's or something that um, makes that kind of simple person to not simple but not always easy person to person interaction feels impossible feels impossible because some people do this really beautiful in very creative ways but where that feels impossible it's an opportunity for the living the lay person to recognize i have hit my threshold of ability here in my heart, I love this person, I want to help them to die well. So I need to reach out to a trained professional who can navigate this added complexity of this person I love and their current mental state. 
right? And so an aspect of the living is always sensing where is our threshold, where is our ability to go through or not, and where we're unable to tend the dying to ask for help. There are trained professionals out there who can help. Okay. For people who are dying, well, let me say this differently. Mediumship is most beneficial for people who are dead, right? For people who are dying, the type of professional you would be looking for is someone who is more skilled in the classic shamanic healing skill set. Who are a- those people who are able to work very creatively and fluidly with the soul, no matter what state between living, dying, or dead the soul is in. Right, so when someone's in a dying process, that's basically the kind of skill set that you're looking for, regardless of what the person labels themselves. Okay, so so that's an aspect of a healthy relationship with a dying person is to understand, based on our skill set from pure lay person who has the skill to sit with another human being and have a conversation to hold space and and right now we happen to still be under certain um, restrictions around COVID-19 to potentially do that at a distance through some form of technology or something but that ability to hold space is in everybody's potentially in everybody's skill set right and then where that doesn't get the job done the potentially being willing to ask for help for someone who has skills okay so then the final thing here on my list, I'm still just talking about the living, right? So I got to move along here, are what are the qualities of a healthy relationship with the dead? Okay, so here's where it gets interesting, right? Because so far it hasn't actually been interesting, right? <laughs> okay, so here's where it gets interesting. Now we're talking about the dead. These are people that have crossed that transition of dying and they are dead. Okay, so in this group of souls, There are the well ones, those who did reconcile their life, and there are the unwell ones, those who did not. And let me clarify a common misunderstanding right off the bat. This doesn't have to do with how the person lived their life. Because people who live their lives very poorly can potentially, usually with assistance, but can potentially reconcile that life at death. And with that assistance and that reconciliation, they can make awesome well ancestors because they did make mistakes. They're very quick to help you see when you're about to make the same kind of mistakes. And so reconciliation is the line. Reconciliation, lack of reconciliation is the line for well and unwell ancestors. It's not good people and bad people. It's just people. Believe me, people, it's just people. It's just the living. Doing what the living does, which is make a big mess out of things and occasionally do incredibly profound beauty. Right? And so our dead is a big old pile of the same. Right? And so where people were able to die reconciled and simply cross over, they are a well ancestor. Where people weren't reconciled at death, but they were assisted in crossing over, they can be a well ancestor. 
where people died badly unreconciled, hung around for forever, and then finally got assistance at death and got crossed over, then they can also be well ancestors. So we can have well ancestors in, that come out of many different situations. Right? But you, as the living with no skills, as the lay person with no skills, right? your task, your right relationship, your well your your healthy relationship with the dead is actually to begin to develop a working relationship with your well ancestors and that is a challenge because we also all have unwell ancestors we all at this time on the planet we all have both so the unwell ancestors is the long backlog of ancestors, not back to the beginning of humanity, but back to about the time of organized religion, the revealed religions that dominate our planet today, dominate humanity today. So that would be um, uh, Judeo-Christian religions, Muslim, um, uh, let's see. Well, those are the main the main ones, for example. But others that um, I know I'm spacing on something right now. But anyway, my point is the the main religions that organize people's lives right now, since the dawn of those religions in their current forms, sort of taking over people's spiritual lives. That's about the time we start having problems with the ancestors. Okay, prior to that, we all have a big old bushel of well ancestors. Okay, so the question then I put for you today is how are you, the living, going to take responsibility to get into right relationship with your well ancestors and tend that relationship? That is a responsibility of the living. Okay, so that's how. How do you do that is a big question. And that is why I and many others, uh, practitioners, right, who are skilled and not just lay people, are offering pathways to do that. Okay, lots of podcasts about that, lots of offerings out there in the world. Okay, so I'm going to move on here. So in this effort to understand our current relationship with death, dying, and the dead, right, and how that influences our lives, what I'd like to do quickly here is name the big pain points. Okay, so that's my warning. I'm about to name the big pain points. So one, and, and sort of where how they leave us feeling, right? And so one is for some people, their adoptions were very traumatic, were forced and potentially closed records. Not all adoptions are like that. But some are, including adoptions where it's the forced um, colonization of indigenous peoples is another example of kind of a forced uh, deep duress around adoption. And often this person has a feeling that goes something like, I feel I don't have ancestors. I'm adopted. I don't have ancestors. So... In your effort as the living to get into right relationship with the dead, you can still do that in an energetic realm 
you would want to have training by people who know what they're doing, but you are not trapped by that fact of your life of adoption, that you can essentially learn to step over the mess and reconnect with those well ancestors that are part of your bloodline that are present. And again, I'm not going into details in today's podcast into the how. There are many podcasts and many classes about how to do that. But a next pain point is the disconnection that comes in in general to most of the living in, in a Eurocentric world, especially if you've gone through standard academic education and your brain is shaped through that, right? Because, Because that history is really based on systems of colonization and erasure of certain histories well while there's also some very active lying about other people's histories and what i would consider actually worse which is those people who convinced themselves they weren't lying when they knew they were and propagated the lie but anyway all of this often leads to a feeling for the living now of just feeling disconnected from their ancestors. There's erasure, there's false histories, there's so much um, disinformation and disconnect and dissonance in the way that people have a hard time connecting with their ancestors. That's a very real fallout of the politics of our time, the governance of our time, the history of our time, the stories, the narrative. And you can learn to step over that. Okay, another pain point is my own personal family patterns of abuse and dysfunction leave me feeling like I don't want to connect with those people. I've worked hard to have healthy boundaries from those people and their histories. I don't want anything to do with them. Fair. I get it. Absolutely. And you have well ancestors much further back than those people you're talking about. And you can connect to those well ancestors even if you don't want to deal with these ones that are closer to you. And it is still our responsibility as the living to make that connection to the well ones and ask them to support us in doing what we are here to do for those are coming, who are coming. And so it's back to that responsibility of the living to place ourselves in this potent time of free will and choice between the, the dead, the well dead, and the descendants who are coming. And I mean descendants with a capital D. I don't necessarily mean just your children. For people like me who have decided not to have children. The future is still our descendants. We still have a responsibility to it. Even if we've chosen not to have children. Okay, moving on to my pain point list. Okay, suicide of a friend or family. So in other words... It is not safe to assume, for example, that your child is not going to experience death throughout their first 18 years because of the, um, in the United States at least, a high suicide rate among different populations of children. The simplest one, the most pervasive, is children who are bullied. Okay, so... There's a feeling in general with suicide because of a lot of religious baggage around suicide that just says, I can't deal with this or, or I am the only one who can deal with this is another way some people go with the suicide in family or friend group. Okay, suicide needs trained intervention. 
and with trained intervention, it can be reconciled. It's important to understand that and to meet that threshold and ask for help, right? I'm on a next deeper pain point, which is your child's suicide and and cultivating to to be a salve on the incredible pain of this experience this feeling of they're in a better place now and working with me as a helping spirit this defies the basic dynamic between the living and the dead which is your child still needs to be reconciled and crossed over the fact that suicide happened implies a lack of reconciliation and you are most likely not the person who can do it so I would encourage you to ask for help have someone address your child's death and let them set it right so that ultimately you could come into right relationship with that child as a helping spirit if that's the path after reconciliation Next pain point on my list, I think it's the last one, since this is this is a very heavy list, I understand, would be right, a parent suicide being experienced from a child. And and I would say it leads to feelings of, but I can't tell you because it leads to different feelings depending on the developmental stage of the child. I mean, obviously abandonment is gonna be there in a big theme. But depending on energetically how connected that child is based on, you know, being a young child or an, an adult child, well, not an adult child, but an older child, right, is going to change, potentially change the effect of that suicide energetically on the child. Nonetheless, it is unreconciled. And most likely as an adult living person around the boundary of that child that's experienced a parent suicide, it is your responsibility as the adult to that child to call in professional help and have that suicide dealt with. This is one of the most common and what I consider the most deeply unfair issues I deal with in my adult clients is the fact that they experience their parent's suicide one way or another, as a child, and no one addressed that suicide in a thorough way to tend that death, make sure it gets reconciled, and the dead is crossed over. That this this is a hugely impactful on the development of a child, and it is the responsibility of the adults around that child to get the work done. So the, these are the big pain point list that I could think of there may be more it may not be all inclusive but these are the the very common contemporary experiences that complicate this landscape of the living and the dead okay so Oh, I'm sorry. I did leave out one. So the last thing would be what I call a tragic death. Now, death is going to come for all of us. I don't consider death in and of itself tragic, right? But what I consider a tragic death is a death that is coming outside of the natural cycles of life. In other words, a person doesn't get a chance to live their life out and and die in 
older age. Um, and so that would be a parent experiencing the death of their child or a child, a, a young child experiencing the death of their parent. So before they're in their adulthood, experiencing the death of their parent. So these, these are what I consider the classic tragic deaths and they're classic in the sense that they almost always create soul loss, which then interferes with the reconciliation of that death. Okay. And so again, this is the, uh, similar to what I was saying before. This is the context in which for children, the adults around them need to take responsibility to have that the death of that parent reconciled. Even if it was an accidental death, it still needs to be reconciled. So the child's energy is with the child and the parent's energy is for the parent. So the parent can cross over as quickly as possible and come back and be a protective ancestral helping spirit for the child. That's the adult role of the living around a child that loses a parent. For a parent that loses a child, it is the adult role of those who support that parent in getting that death reconciled, the child's death reconciled. Again, sorting out the energy so the child's energy goes with the child and the parent's energy is with the parent so the parent can fully grieve that loss and have the greatest chance of moving on in life in a way over time that is um, healthy, that they can grieve in a healthy way, they can grieve in a full way and move on in their life with the understanding that that happened but able once again to open their heart to their life since they are still the living right and so these are the complex navigations around the living and the dead they're very commonplace and we need to address them soberly without the kind of judgment and baggage that can come with these kinds of dynamics and just address them and to understand in your life, even if you are a lay person and you don't have the skills, there are people who are trained in these skills. Okay. So let me go through the list quickly about skills here as we are running out of time. So as the living, your skills would be sort of a, a, in a, in a, list here that can grow and build on themselves obviously you doing your own personal work to live in a way that you reconcile your life that you assist family members in doing their work particularly as they are dying right but what i also mean by that is don't hold grudges with people in your family do the best of your ability reconcile those relationships don't participate in the kinds of activities in families that lead to unreconciled deaths you never know when someone's going to die so don't play the game right do what you can do to reconcile your part of every equation you can't make others do it, but you can do your part and not participate in that ongoing dysfunction and lack of reconciliation in families and in groups, by the way, in your friend groups, right? These are, for many of us, our selected families. Same principles apply. So you can, to the best of your ability, tend actual dying processes for friends and family and where the effort to do that meets your threshold where you as a lay person don't have the skills because it is getting more complex for one of the many reasons I mentioned today ask for help call in a professional 
right? So really honor your threshold around that. Do what you can do. Reach out for help when you need it. Also, as a living, you can learn to have a healthy relationship with your well ancestors. And I encourage you to tend that relationship through an ancestral shrine. And you can learn how to do that through, um, for example, um, Healing the Ancestral Lines Basic. It's an eight-week online self-paced course that I offer. You can connect to it through lastmasscenter.org. So it's just a basic structure. How can you, as a living, start to tend a relationship with your well ancestors through a shrine? The next thing you can do as a living is develop your skills around grieving. Learn to grieve well. Learn to grieve with others. Open up potentially to the possibility of grieving through ritual with others. That we lose many things in life, not just people in this sort of death and dying conversation today, but we lose pets, we lose dreams, we lose relationships that we have big dreams for. It's called divorce. It happens a lot. We lose a lot of things. These things need to be grieved. A loss of death, a loss of dreams, a loss of uh, people, a loss of anything that we loved, anything that we loved. Even an imaginary thing may potentially need to be grieved. And certainly the physical things that we love need to be grieved. Right? So learning to grieve. Challenge yourself. Move into your discomfort. Learn to grieve. Okay. Again, podcast about that. Search for it in whyshamanismnow.com. Uh, read books about it. That particular podcast speaks to a good one by Martine Pricktel. In other words, not details today, just trying to connect the dots. Everything I've talked about has got a podcast at whyshamanismnow.com. Okay, continuing on developing your skills. Consider, if it suits you, to learn to do psychopomp in a skillful way. This is the escorting the dead to the source. I referred to that many times in today's show, how you get people from... Um, who are dead to, to quote unquote cross over. It's sort of a little catchphrase for getting, escorting the soul for here from the land of living to where the dead are supposed to go in the big system we're all part of. Okay. You can actually learn to do that if that's something that suits you. And there's a whole lot of psychopomp work that needs to be done skillfully. That's really very simple. It doesn't require anything other than those basic skills, which a lay person actually can learn to do, especially if they're already tending um, a good relationship with their well ancestors. The next thing, if you kind of like that, would be beginning to work with your own unwell ancestors and doing some of the basic things that a living person can do to start to sort out their unwell ancestors. And this is um, particularly something that I'm interested in and is in that basic course that I referred to. Uh, to some degree, it's in the new Shift Network course I spoke about at the beginning of this podcast, Opening to the Living Love of Your Ancestors. It's available there. Um, so these are skills that a lay person can learn to do to begin to engage with your own unwell ancestors. And this is because the living and the dead are in relationship. And so the living, those who are able to do this in a good way, need 
to potentially develop these skills. And then if actually you find you like doing those two things, then I would actually suggest you gain the skills to move into really transforming the persistent patterns and the unwell dead. Some people really like this work and they're really good at it. Others, not so much, but it's a possibility. Okay, so with that said, here in our last couple minutes, I'll, uh, what happens when you, the living, have done all these things that are yours to do and you still hit that threshold where it's not yours to do or you're not able to do it or because you're the bereaved, you're not the right person to do it. Because you're the one who is grieving. And in that grieving, those who grieve well are in an altered state. right? And not necessarily the person to go out there and do very precise um, transformational work, right? So, you can seek help from professionals. And as I said, mediums are good with the dead to deliver whatever those undelivered messages are to help that communication complete itself. That may not allow for the actual crossing over to happen. It depends on the situation. And in that case, you would need to reach out to someone who has any people that are learning death doulas to, to, to tend that transition who may be able to do that. Certainly anyone who is a true shamanic practitioner can do that. The next level of training, right? So this is building on levels of training. The next level of training would be people more in that classic shamanic skill set who can tend the messiness I talked about earlier because they're working in a shamanic trance state. Right, that can tend the soul as it's in a messy transition from living to dead. Right, um, you can ask for professional help to help you begin to deal with the well dead that you're connected with. Right, and so you can ask for help to start that process, especially if you have the intention <clears throat> to gain skills. You can ask for help for people to get you going with your well ancestors, but don't do that unless you plan on maintaining the relationship. You kind of waste the practitioner's time if you're not interested in maintaining that relationship with your well ancestors over time. And then finally, you can ask for assistance and should, really. Um, I don't mean should as in a judgmental way, but really it is our responsibility as a living to ask for help from others to help us deal with our unresolved debt. And that there are practitioners that can do that. And I also offer um, a next level, more advanced training for people who do know how to journey um, for that transforming persistent patterns. So as I said, coming up at 12 o'clock is the free online event, Encore event with Shift Network, opening to the living love of your ancestors. My basic ancestral healing class is always available to you. It's standalone online. You can connect to it through lastmasscenter.org. If you have some skills and want to learn more, the Transforming Persistent Patterns, which is the level two course, will begin again this year, 2022 in May. Thank you everyone for listening here today in my little roadmap between the living and the dead. I give gratitude to our ancestors, human and non-human, Gratitude to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week.